You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience here at Conservative Review's Northern Command Center. It is Friday, March 22nd. And frankly, I wish I would be recording today from our D.C. studio. I got my kids off of school, so my home office is somewhat soundproof. But we just got this new vacuum cleaner and... They're so obsessed with it. They keep turning it on and off. And I don't know why they're still fascinated with vacuum cleaners ever since they were babies. So um, if you hear any crazy noise in the background, well, that's what it's from. But hopefully we can keep that noise to a minimum. Uh, Anyway, I'm really tired. Even though it hasn't been such a taxing week with the Congress critters out. Of course, as you know, the courts are never out. So that's really where all the legislation is taking place this week as it does every week, but I still am looking forward to the weekend and just want to start off the show letting you guys know I really appreciate all your mail. I I, I try to read most of it. I, I can't always respond to everything. It depends if I get it when I'm at a computer or if I'm on the run. I'm not good at quick emails from my phone, um, but I really do appreciate it because you know I know a lot of you get the sense that you feel you're onto the truth and you're befuddled by the fact that so many others aren't articulating it. And you start questioning yourself, heck, am I crazy? Am I nuts? Am I the only one seeing this? Is there something wrong with me? Well, I feel the same way. (laughs) So, you know, when I get messages from other people, it actually makes me feel better as well. Um, And it's very encouraging. It really is. So, you know, keep keep it coming. It certainly gives me a lot of perspective. I learn a lot of new things. You know, I wanted to just read this email from Vince. And you know who you are. Um, you regularly uh, email me. I really appreciate it. Uh, before I read this email, I just want to announce the title of today's show. Well, I don't know if it's going to be the title, but it's certainly the main point of today's show. The left seeks talking points for policies. Conservatives seek policies for talking points. Want you to think about that for the next few minutes in your brain as we develop that thought. What you think it means and why that's important, but that's really my new meme for today. And that ties into what we're going to talk about. You know, so Vince emails me. I notice almost every show you mention how you want to give us good news, you know, regarding news, politics. But you don't want to shield us from the truth. I'm assuming people are complaining about your constant discussion on the negative things. However, I say that that is the best thing you can do. If there was actually good news and real progress being made, you would tell us. But if there is no real progress being made and we're getting clobbered, you have to keep your foot on the gas. We all do. We do not want you to lie to us and make us believe there is no problem. We want the truth and direction. And God bless you for providing it. You are a true patriot, and those that are complaining need to wake up and start behaving like responsible citizens. If they want to be lied to and sheltered, they have a wide selection of fake news conservative media. 
Um, you keep doing what you're doing. We need more people like you. Uh, you know, again, let's put me, my personal personality out of this. I don't like talking about my, myself, but I think just to be clear, most of you seem to think that way. I mean, it, it, it's really a minority that, that send me those messages. Very few people. Um, and, and, and that's the point. Very few of my colleagues have a political thermometer, barometer, whatever you want to call it, to recognize where we are actually making progress and where we are falling behind, where we need our focus, what are the force multiplying issues, the courts, sovereignty, immigration, healthcare, budget, all the things and the, and the strategies and legislative choke points that help enable or the opposite, make us go backwards on on a given policy outcome. And the difference is, again, liberals pursue talking points for policies. Policy outcomes are the end game. They don't lie to themselves. They don't lie to their movement. They don't make pretend like they're making progress. They make sure they get progress. The talking points are just, you know, to make it easier to make that progress, to sell and pitch their their movement. Our movement is the opposite. We seek policies for talking points. The end game is a talking point. And then we'll latch on to any random policy. Sometimes it's unhelpful. Sometimes it's a distraction. Other times it's downright antithetical to conservatism. But we'll latch on to it. Because we want a talking point. We want to, we want to fight as an end, end to itself. Now, I know I'm still being a little bit vague, but let's continue developing this with our next email from a, from a show listener. This is Joe. Joe is a prolific uh, emailer to, to me uh, pretty much every day. I appreciate it. Um, I know you you tell me when you're when you're happy, when you're not, when you think I need to be stronger on something. And Joe proposes an idea that we have a segment maybe once a week um doubling down on giving you guys the cold stone truth. The opposite of sugarcoating things, and you think I should have a golden calf alert. You know, taking something that's going to cause controversy, even with a lot of our listeners or, or a lot of our type of audience, about someone like a Mike Lee or a March for Life or a so-called anti-abortion group that people think is is doing so much great work, but really, it's actually furthering so many of the falsehoods that lead our our, our side astray. So yeah, I got to get music or some sort of show meme uh, up to snuff in order to introduce this segment. But today's show, in many ways, is going to be one giant show of a golden calf alert. To me, it still is unbelievable that the news at our border... The news in our interior from immigration is worse than ever, proves more points than we've ever been making than Trump himself was making during that five-week brinkmanship over the budget in January. And yet that movement that gave him so much rope to hang himself on and take away his leverage for the remainder of the fiscal year so that even if things would get so bad that 
it, w- it would reach critical mass for us to totally put the Democrats on the ropes. We would no longer have any leverage to even harness the issue. And indeed, no one's even talking about it. No one on my side, barely anyone is talking about it. Could find a few people here and there. Instead, the conservative movement wants a talking point. They want a meme. They're always looking for the next meme. I want a talking point that we've remade the courts. We've fixed the courts. So I'll lead all my listeners to think that we have no problem anymore. And really, that's to our detriment. Because if you say something that really is a problem is no longer a problem, then people think, you know, it's over with. Let me give you a great example. Our side wants a racial talking point. You see, Trump is good for the blacks. Again, I'm, I'm saying it facetiously the way they, they think. You see, Trump is good for, for working class people. Okay, so they harness a policy in pursuit of that talking point. So let's go pick up Michael Dukakis's view on crime and be suddenly for weak on crime policies so we can have a talking point of, see, we're, we're letting them out of jail. Like, no. We should have a policy of being tough on crime because that's the right thing. That's the conservative thing to do. And the talking point in pursuit of that would be public safety. Same thing with immigration. The left has unbending policy principles that they want to pursue. They want to get from point A to point B. They want to accomplish that. They're not going to lie, distract, obfuscate to their base. They're going to pursue it with the gas on the with their foot on the gas pedal. And they're going to create talking points that buttress their narrative. We have no policies to the extent we grab onto them. They're in pursuit of a talking point. And they're usually either a distraction or worse. They're downright antithetical to what we believe. So that's the thing. I mean, I have an article out today on what we talked about on the show earlier this week about how even Bill Clinton prevented the Haitian boat people from landing on our shores. And the Supreme Court case at the time, vouching for it, and how Trump needs to use that for our crisis today. So that's a talking point I'm putting out. You see, even Bill Clinton agreed with our values on sovereignty back then. But it's not just a talking point. It's a talking point in pursuit of a very specific policy outcome that I lay out that Trump needs to announce his inherent executive authority to shut off all cross-border migration, as well as 212F and 215A of the Immigration and Nationality Act, which was upheld in the 1993 sale case with the Haitian immigrants. And that's what we need to be doing. Notice everything I do, every talking point I have, every meme I have, it has a very specific outcome that deals with a very specific problem that's rooted in a very broad principle that we supposedly all hold as conservatives. I I mean, the magnitude of this invasion, the numbers are now out um, for ICE releases, 107,000. Illegals, again, the most impoverished illegals, often people that are even illiterate in Spanish, 
from the rural indigenous populations of, of Guatemala and Honduras being just released randomly into our country just in the last 80 days, roughly December 21st. So really, it's been several hundred thousand you know, over the last uh, year, and that number is about to accelerate based on those coming in now. We're a total hospice situation with our sovereignty. Where the, you know, they're just letting it go. They're not even holding them anymore. So um, it is just out of control. Totally and completely out of control. I want to get back to immigration a little later. But I want to get to our specific golden calf segment which will be a substantial portion of today's show because we're introducing this segment, which I think is important. But it, it really, it's, it's all of us. It's everything we do, everything my colleagues do. And look, j- just to be clear, I know some of you send me notes about specific individuals in this field. And look, I take swings at a lot of people but my main goal is to tell the truth about what we need to do, not you know get into personality fights with people. So I'm not going to sit and call out every last person. I know some of you want me to do that. You know, obviously, you know, there's a limit to what a person could do, and you know, people do have different styles. Obviously, you guys are very smart. You could read between between the lines when you hear the truth here and you watch the my Twitter account, my writings, my columns. You listen to the show here. You see some of the videos of you know TV interviews I do, the few uh, shows that will have me on, like One News Network. You'll see the difference. I mean, you'll see my attitude. You see who I'm willing to go after. You see, you see my focus. And then you'll easily see others that won't be named that are very different, and they operate very differently. Sometimes it's appropriate. You need different personalities and different styles, but you need a direction, You need the policies. You need someone saying, this is what we believe in. These are our unfixed and unbending principles as it relates to the specific most important issues of our time. Here's the vision. And then you'll have different people that might, some that might have a more of a punchier way to give it over a more of a comedic style. um, One might be more of a blood boiling style like mine. Uh, you know, some people could relate more to older, an older crowd. Maybe that's me. Some might relate more to a younger crowd, although we do have a lot of younger listeners. Uh, and there, there's a lot of utility to it. There is utility to people like Diamond and Silk. I'm, I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm really not. I, I mean that. But you got to have a Buckley. You got to have a Phyllis Schlafly. What is it you're fighting for? And then you could have the people with the memes and the talking points in pursuit of that goal. But if you don't have it, like I say so many times, what you have is a harmony without a melody. You have an icing without a cake. You have a body without a soul. It's like if you don't have a conductor and a melody, a tune you know, with an orchestra – and you have just instruments, all you'll hear is just noise, just banging. Just, just, there's just nothingness. That's, that's the real story here. 
And um, today's update in the golden calf, well, there's really two stories that tie into one because they all get back to the Supreme Court, which, believe me, if there's been any golden calf in the conservative movement, it's been this false promise. Meaning they all say what I say. Oh, it's terrible what goes on in the courts. But then they distract to the golden calf of, oh, let's just appoint better nominees, which won't help. And then ironically, we don't even appoint often better better nominees. Or they're better than the Democrats, but they're not nearly enough to combat they're not nearly as conservative as, and as principled as, as principled to the left that the liberal appointees are. So it's like spitting in the wind. It's pushing string. Not doing anything. So the first story is, some of you might have seen, just within a couple months, Lindsey Graham's approval rating skyrocketed to 74% among Republican voters in South Carolina. He he was hovering around 50% before the Kavanaugh stuff, before the YouTube click-servative little clicks. Ooh, he he got really mad what the Democrats were doing to Kavanaugh. Again, we want a talking point. We don't want a policy outcome. He's the same man he always was. Nothing has changed about him other than the following. Okay, guys, um, you know, I really don't want a primary challenger. So Trump, 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 I love Trump. I know I said mean things about him, but now I really, really love him. Please believe me. Please, I don't want a primary challenger. Oh, and, and did you see my, my YouTube videos on uh, Kavanaugh? Hey, I provide some good clicks for your websites out there. Good fodder to talk about because, you know, you guys don't really have much intellect and don't know know how to talk about policy. So, you know, you need quick, easy columns and easy radio shows and easy TV hits. So here I gave you some good red meat. P.S. Please don't primary me. And then the sheeple in this phony conservative movement is like, yes, yes, don't primary you, Lindsay. Look at Lindsay. Look at him. Look at him. Folks, I will tell you, we would be in a better position. Here, here's the raw truth. We would be better off not having a so-called conservative media than having it. Because at least if you didn't have it, people would see the policies going on. They'd see the outcomes. They'd see the failures. And they'd be like, what the heck? We need to get rid of these guys. Instead, we take one thing from the 50 bad things they do. We take one good rhetorical talking point that doesn't even lead to a good policy outcome. And that will be used as a defeat mechanism to block people like me and and audiences like you from organizing in states like South Carolina. I know we have a lot of listeners in there because we have our Greenville office for conservative review based in South Carolina. And nothing. Here are all the rhinos we have up for re-election. Martha McSally in Arizona. Dan Sullivan in Alaska. Corey Gardner in Colorado. Joni Ernst in Iowa. Okay, Pat Roberts in Kansas is retiring. Mitch McConnell, Bill Cassidy in Louisiana, Susan Collins. Okay, that's a blue state, Maine, whatever, fine. I'm talking about red states. Cindy Hyde-Smith in Mississippi. She voted against Trump, by the way, on the emergency 
It's unbelievable. Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Lindsey Graham, obviously. Mike Rounds of, of South Dakota. John Cornyn of Texas. Shelley Moore Capito. A pro-open borders, pro-abortion Republican from one of the most anti-illegal immigration pro-life states, West Virginia. Those are just a few. Lots of red state rhinos where, you know, in a presidential year, we're easily Trump no matter what. Even if he winds up losing, he's easily going to carry states like Mississippi, West Virginia, South Dakota, um, South Carolina, Louisiana, Kentucky, Alaska, most of the states I mentioned. Yet we don't have a successful challenger on a single one of these guys. They buck us on every issue. Could you imagine if you had a single Democrat from a state like California where they bucked the party on, I mean, even Doug Jones has barely bucked the Democrats on anything. And he's from Alabama, where it's almost impossible to hold the seat. And look how liberal he is. Because they believe in things. Their end game is policy outcomes. Talking points are all geared to row in that direction. We have talking points. And click servitism as an ends to itself. I'm just telling you, this is the sermon that needs to be given to this phony movement. We just make noise. Think about it. Without the conservative movement, Lindsey Graham's numbers would have remained roughly where they were for quite a while with conservatives being really upset. Really upset at him. And for good reason. Now, his numbers have gone up because conservative media keeps and Fox News keeps promoting him. That is the truth. I'm sorry. If you don't like it, then it is what it is. It just is what it is. Sorry to be a, be a downer here, but um, we, we, we just don't understand what is progress and what's not progress. We need to get a better handle on that. And having a handful of Republicans vigorously defend Kavanaugh from the ridiculous allegations, I mean, we, we waste all of our energy on what? So we made a golden calf out of Kavanaugh where to this day, except for this audience, how many people that are reliable Republican voters know that Kavanaugh has screwed us on about five things? And if you just read broadly his writings, it is pretty clear to anyone who understands the court. And, and you know, even non-conservative court watchers are saying this now. He's going to be Cav- he's going to be Roberts quicker than Roberts became Roberts. You know, it took a few years for Roberts to really to, to lurch to the left. I mean, this guy, this guy is dogmatically, I mean, obsessed with precedent. Forget about overturning Roe. He wouldn't even overturn Hellerstad, which is the radical expansion that abortion is such a right that you can't even put, you know, healthcare regulations on on the abortion clinics. That's the thing. <clears throat> 
Speaking of the golden calf, in Exodus, where where is the golden calf? It's Exodus chapter 32. So Moses, God tells Moses, hey, you know, your your people have sinned. Uh, You got to go down, deal with it. And, you know, he didn't yet see what was going on. He comes down and he's met by his, his student, Joshua. And Joshua says, um, there's a voice of battle in the camp. And Moses says something very interesting. It's neither a voice shouting victory, nor a voice shouting defeat. Shouting, I hear. Now, I know many will translate it, it's a voice of blasphemy or something like that. But if you, and and it's not that it's not true, but if you just look at the exegesis of the actual old Hebrew words of, of, again, it's it's, uh, verse 18 there. Chapter 32, verse 18. It's just a beautiful play on words. Kul is the word for voice. It's not the kul of this. It's not the kul of that. It's plain call, voice. It's something you really, you really have to know the old Hebrew to appreciate it. Um, it's an unbelievable statement. I don't hear shouting of victory. <clears throat> I don't hear shouting of defeat. I just hear shouting. That's what happens when you have a golden calf. You know, it's not that blatantly conservatives have adopted liberal dogma, although they have on a lot of individual issues. And certainly they're not shouting talking points in pursuit of conservative victory. It's just straight up noise. It's like the banging of a symphony of a bunch of instruments if you didn't have a melody and you didn't have a conductor. It's just just, just random ruckus and noise. That's all it is. So we, we, we put so much effort and noise into what? Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh. And ironically, it's like, dude, the guy's screwing us on the bench. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, do you want me not to read the opinions? I mean, should I keep going on about Kavanaugh even after he's already a sitting justice and we see this stuff coming from him? Could he? I mean, there's one thing, at least if a guy's going to screw us on 50 million issues and you freaking have control of the Senate and the White House, so it should be a no-brainer to appoint a solid justice. I mean, that should be obvious. To me, that still shouldn't shield someone from a primary challenge, but at least if we're going to do that, at least if we're going to do that, let's go ahead and um, get it. Do, do it for justice that's going to overturn Obergefell and Roe and all this crazy stuff in immigration. No. No, we're not doing it. People still think we have a conservative Supreme Court. Which is the next golden calf thing I want to get to. The next golden calf segment. But before that, literally as I'm talking now, it's from Fox News. Federal judge, and, and this is a little bit old, but I'm just seeing it now. I was out yesterday. Federal judge for a second time blocks Kentucky abortion law. For the second time in days, a federal judge issued an order temporarily blocking a new Kentucky law aimed at imposing more abortion restrictions. The latest order temporarily stopped a measure that would ban abortion if a woman wants to end her pregnancy because of race or gender. 
as well as diagnosis of a disability in the fetus. We can't even stop us from being like China. They did this in Indiana too. And to this day, the Supreme Court has not granted relief. District Judge David Hale. So you're seeing even in even in um place like Kentucky, it's not like, you know, San Francisco, Miami, New York. Even in a place like Kentucky, there's an unlimited number of avenues they could go to to get their stuff done. But we have this golden calf. Oh, no, we have all these appointees. We, we, and God bless Trump for appointing. I mean, they're not all great, but a lot of them are they're, they're good judges. Fine. But don't lie to yourself about what is making progress and what we really need to do. Okay? Don't lie to us. So that's what we're going to do today. Tell the truth and slay the golden calves. Crush them up into dust, as Moses did. You know, I say this with with much trepidation, but I got to say it anyway. I don't want any of you to take this as a personal attack on this individual member because actually it's very likely that Behind Chip Roy, he's the best freshman House member. But Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee introduced legislation that would create a constitutional amendment limiting the number of Supreme Court justices to nine. And later in the week, he was joined by Marco Rubio to introduce the companion bill in the Senate. Now, some of you who have seen my Twitter feed on this already know where I'm headed. Now, just especially as it relates to Mark Green, this is not you know, a personal weakness in him other than I just genu- genuinely think he just doesn't understand this issue um, and is just taken in by the lack of a Buckley on this issue, the lack of a vision in our movement. The reason why I flew off the panhandle <laughs> when I heard this news, because you're like, ah, oh, who cares? Like, what's so bad about it? Is what it represents. It's a classic conservative media meme, conservative movement meme. It's classic emblematic of the fact that we have we don't have our own vision on what we affirmatively believe in and could only respond to what we see from the left, while ironically that in itself moves us further to the left, and how it's all about a talking point of what's in the news, not the actual policies that are important. Implicit in this effort is basically that we have no problem in the courts. We already have the courts. We have a conservative Supreme Court of nine justices that we want to maintain the status quo on. There's no emergency with the lower courts in all of the deep, detailed reasons that we've given. The only problem is that Democrats, it's the next fight, not the current fight that we're getting slaughtered and we don't have a republic we don't have sovereignty we have the worst invasion at our border because of this but the future democrats are floating the idea of expanding the supreme court that's finally the issue that they're going to go and put a constitutional amendment on and i'm thinking you idiots a constitutional amendment is never going to pass but you have the power as a senator to statutorily meaning You don't need two-thirds majorities in each Senate and each body and then three-quarters of the states to ratify. 
just the way you pass a, pass a simple statute, you could exempt, exempt and regulate the jurisdiction of the courts. The problem is not the number of justices. It's the jurisdiction of what they're doing. How about introducing the Goodlap bill from last Congress? <clears throat> you could look it up. I don't have the number in front of me. But there are a couple of bills like that to at least clarify that courts don't have the power of universal injunctions. If you are smart, it's not as flashy as, oh, because Beto O'Rourke, a presidential candidate for the Democrats, said he wants to expand the Supreme Court. Oh, so this, I'll get a talking point. Uh, I'm going to have a constitutional amendment defining it as nine. (laughs) But it's the linchpin to everything going on is ending the universal injunctions. The ability of the left, no matter the issue, no matter the time, no matter the standing, no matter how many conservative judges you appoint to other benches, they could form shop anywhere they want and get a universal injunction to shut down any policy immediately, anytime. That is, and, and that, I mean, really, you don't need any legislation because, as Clarence Thomas said, it's unconstitutional, even if Congress did authorize it, but they never did anyway. But at least if you want a messaging bill, if you want a talking point, again, let the talking point be in pursuit of a policy we agree in or agree with. This is a talking point in pursuit of nothingness. And actually, I disagree with it. I disagree with it. Because it almost implies that there's something sacred about the current orientation of the Supreme Court. It's not. I actually like the fact that we're debating the number of justices for once. It's not fixed. It's like they're missing the forest from the trees. They're like the idiot who points at the moon with his finger and the guy, the the idiot focuses on the finger instead of the moon. What you should take out of this debate is not, not, oh, should we have 11, 9, 15 justices? It's, oh, wait a minute. Every aspect of the Supreme Court is defined by Congress, whether it's the jurisdiction, whether it's the rules of construction, whether it's when they meet, how they meet, the number of justices. Remember, Thomas Jefferson had Congress abolish an entire year of the Supreme Court in 1803. Entire session, just you can't meet. And then once they recognize this, it amazes me. We're all like dancing around the circle debating this. Oh, Democrats want to do this, have more justices. You idiots. Don't you realize Doesn't it hit you in the face that the fact that Congress controls all of this, by definition, if a court has an edict on a political rule, certainly a lower court, much less, I mean, the Supreme Court, much less the lower court, on what immigration looks like, what life is defined as, what marriage is, it's not the final say. Philosophically, it can't be if Congress has that much power over them. They just don't get it. Because there is nobody giving a vision of what a conservative understands a republic. Not even a, what, a, what, a, what the conservative view on family paid leave, paid family leave and you know, student loans. I mean, I'm talking about the most foundational issue that makes our republic a republic and not a judicial dictatorship. They don't get it. Oh, let's have a constitutional amendment to find what? It's a distraction. It will never happen. It's not the point. And actually, it reveals that you don't even get the real point. And moreover, you're fighting next year's battle 
at the expense of ignoring today's battle. The courts have stopped 63 policies of Trump. They just don't get it. They just don't get it. So this is today's golden calf. Really, entire show, but certainly a segment. I Again, I let Mark Green's a good guy. I, I genuinely think he doesn't understand it. He's welcome to reach out to me. We can talk about it. He understands healthcare pretty well. He's a great background in that. I just think he just doesn't understand the judiciary issue. Meaning, not only is it not the battle, and it's a distraction, and it's stupid. It actually, I don't agree with it. No, I don't think we should put in the Constitution that the judge, that it's nine, nine. Why? Who cares? Implicit in that mentality is that the Supreme Court is sacred, and it's like, God, no, the founders would laugh at that. We don't need to do that. Push back against their jurisdiction. Don't take their political rules as binding on the other two branches. It's that simple. And then you could have all the justices you want. I don't care. Man, we just don't get it. We just don't get it. We're sitting here with the bottom falling out from under our sovereignty. Every day, Americans die as a result of illegals who are not deported. Come here initially and are not deported because of the courts. Every day, we lose our sovereignty. And they're sitting and talking, focusing on the number of Supreme Court justices. This is our problem. We just want to grab a quick talking point. They don't want to pack the courts. Dude, they already packed the courts. They already stacked the deck of the courts. A one-way ratchet. Learn it. Understand it. I, I don't even have time to go through all the lower court cases. A lot of you, God bless you, a lot of you guys are really smart now. Um, it, it gives me a lot of pride to watch a lot of you take a lot of these memes and lessons we've developed here and develop them further. And you know, a lot of you message me with more Supreme Court cases or lower court cases you see where every day, I mean, just as we're recording, I see this other case with um, another abortion law. A common, the most common sense, simple, basic abortion regulations. You know, what's the point in winning elections, controlling state legislatures, governorships, if even something like saying you can't have, you know, uh, genetic selection abortion or gender selection abortions, we can't even do that. All because of the courts. It has nothing to do with the size of the courts. If anything, I actually like the Democrat idea of packing the courts. Hopefully that will delegitimize it and everyone will just see nakedly that it's not some godly fixed body. You could alter it at any time and it's more political than anything and treat it like any other political branch, at least equal to the other political branches. Really, it should be less as it relates to the politics. You want to adjudicate a case, fine. But if you want to create a political rule based off of that adjudication that affects us as a sovereign nation, that affects a fundamental cultural, philosophical, political question, no. I mean, you are not the final and sole uh, arbiter of that. If we if we address that head on, we'll save our republic. If we don't, any other thing we do with the courts is not going to address it. It's that simple. Do you want me to go off on more golden calves? 
I could do that. Maybe now that, that we're on a roll, look, we, we literally have a conveyor belt. I mean, this is worse than anything we ever envisioned, and it's happening under the Trump administration. You can make all the excuses you want, but it's happening because we're distracted, we're focused on golden calves. There is no limit now to how high this could go, and we won't even have a fighting chance to even fight for this until late September with the budget bill. And what are we focused on? Here's the next distraction. And some of you might be surprised and might not get it, but bear with me. Trump administration is the first administration in 50 years to recognize sovereignty. Oh, sovereignty? No, I mean the sovereignty of Israel over the Golan, the Golan Heights. Now, look, you guys know, you know my views on that, my religious beliefs. Um, most of this audience obviously is Christian, but mo- many of you are Christian Zionists as well, where whether it's because of our shared values, the Bible, those who bless Israel will be blessed, strategically, common sense, out of belief in right and wrong, you know, this just understanding of, of a beacon of, of freedom that's also born out of um, – the fulfillment of biblical prophecies 2,000 years later, 6 million Jews coming back right after the Holocaust to resettle ancient Israel. It's an unbelievable thing, fulfillment of all the prophecies. We feel this connection. Certainly we care. I care. I'm not belittling it. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're ignoring our sovereignty and we're focused on Israel's sovereignty and it's not even the fight. So you say, all right, Daniel, okay, our sovereignty is done, but at least the one progress, again, we want to know where is the real progress, not fake progress, is at least on Israel. But even with Israel, a lot of it is symbolic. Okay, we moved the embassy. Okay, we recognize the Golan Heights. It's symbolic. I'll tell you why. Real progress would be if you stop recognizing the stupid two-state solution and you greenlight Israel to assert its sovereignty, at least over Area C of Judea and Samaria. The Golan Heights are no longer in contention. 25 years ago, they, they wanted Israel to surrender it. There's no one to surrender. They won that already. Syria doesn't exist. Who are you going to? No one's even laying a claim on it. So it's purely symbolic. They have the goal on. They've had it for a while. We're f- officially in the documentation recognizing their sovereignty over it. But what are you going to give it to? Al-Nusra? Ahar al-Sham? ISIS? Hezbollah? Iran? IRGC? Uh, what's his name? Um, Assad's forces. It's a joke. So I mean, like, I'm not worried about Israel's sovereignty. Israel doesn't do stupid blank. <laughs> they don't do this stuff. I forgot the numbers. Maybe as I'm, uh, you know, I'll Google around as I'm as I'm talking here. I'm sorry for my my uh, four year old is cackling in the background if you hear him. But like I said, he's home today. Uh, you know, <laughs> after a certain amount, I forget the numbers of Sud- Sudanese or um, there are illegals coming from Sudan and Eritrea, um, very impoverished. They're coming through Israel's southern border in the uh, Sinai Desert, Sinai Peninsula, and they'd enter through Israel's southern desert, the Negev. And they started populating themselves in South Tel Aviv. 
And, um, you know, they there were rapes and crimes. There were a lot of problems they were committing. And after it reached a certain critical mass, they shut it down. They built the wall, and they deported them. And they had problems with the courts there. But you know what? They have a movement in Israel now and a party uh, built off of holding Netanyahu's right flank and actually fighting judicial supremacy. It's an entire platform. Israel's justice minister is from this party. I've been reading up more on their um, elections because they're going to have elections soon. And I think there's a lot we could learn as conservatives from what's going on there. Obviously, I don't like their parliamentarian system. I don't want to adopt that. But there's no reason in our system we can't have more than two parties. And there's a lot to be said of how they're holding Netanyahu's right flank with some of these other parties. And here it is. Here's what I was looking for. It's a column by Caroline Glick, who, by the way, is running in that party. Um, She's an American who moved there and over the years, you know, became fluent in in Hebrew. And she's actually she was tapped by the justice minister, um, Shaked to run in this party. And it was a column she wrote last year, Israel built a wall and is deporting illegal aliens. America can learn. That's the lesson we need to take from Israel. Here's the column. In 2006, there were 2,766 illegal migrants in Israel. Nearly all of them from Eritrea and Sudan who had entered Israel through its then open 150-mile border with Egypt. In 2007, the dam of illegal immigration burst. And she goes on to say that 17,000 arrived. Okay. Um, so they had, and in the end, they had a total of 68,000 illegal immigrants. Now, again, I understand a, a population their size, you know, it is a lot more if you extrapolate it. But still, it's nowhere like what we're dealing with today, where we have 100,000 per month coming in. Okay, nowhere like it. Nowhere. And you know what? As bad as the courts have been there, Robert Bork you know, talked about Israel's courts for, for years, warned about America becoming like it. Well, our courts have long surpassed Israel. We're even worse here. I'll link the, to the article in the show notes. You can see what she says. It's a fascinating article. That's If you want to be talking about Israel, that's what we, we should be talking about. What How they could help us with their ideas on defending sovereignty. They don't need our help in defending their sovereignty, they got the Golan. They've had it for a while. I mean, there's no one even demanding they surrender it because there's no one to surrender it to. And again, if you want to focus on Israel, the bigger issue is Judea and Samaria. That's the issue that's in contention. The Golan is no longer in contention. That's what we do. We either fight issues that are no longer in contention. We've already won. The left doesn't have a chance of winning it. Or issues we've already lost and we're you know, tilting at windmills. Or things in the future at the expense of things that are going out now. So again, I'm not making fun out of it, and and there's good intentions behind it, and it's good. I, I I agree with it. But again, we're missing the point. So now Trump could stand up at at, at all these rallies, and in addition to saying I built the embassy, he could say, and I recognize the Golan. <laughs> again, I say that as. I'm not a Pat Buchanan type of, you know, and I know we maybe have some of those in the audience, and that's that's fine. I I I you know I, I believe in Israel, but but you know, look, we gotta believe in our own sovereignty more. That's the lesson. After after a few years of this, and, and much less severe, Israel shut it down. 
they don't do stupid stuff. Or they, if they have left-wing stuff there, they'll only go so far. With us, there's just no floor. And we get distracted. They actually have a party dedicated to fighting judicial supremacy, and it's it's being run by the, the current um, education and justice ministers. We don't have anything here. The ultimate golden calf, of course, is the Republican Party. You know, so there you go. That's the golden calf now. Really? I mean, <laughs> when we literally lost our sovereignty. Imagine if you have a sign that says, do not trespass on your estate. And anyone who wants could wind up coming, making making your sign a joke. And then anyone who's here just gets to stay, including those who wind up killing members of your household. I'm, I'm going to have an article out today, just today, about two more people. One was a teacher in Alabama killed by an illegal asylum seeker who was denied asylum, had final deportation orders, but was not deported. I warned about that earlier this week. Over a million of those, another 1.5 million close with pending final deportation orders, almost none of them are getting deported, even after they went through the lawfare. It's a joke. We have no dominion over our own territory. Another avoidable death. And then, you know, a sheriff's deputy in um, this small county in Washington state, peaceful place, was killed. So sad. Another one was injured. Deputy Ryan Thompson 42-year-old deputy, the Katidas uh, County Sheriff's Office. It was the first time they lost an officer on duty since 1927. Almost you know, 91 years they went without losing someone. And they lost him due to an illegal alien. This was an H-2A visa holder, but he, what, he long overstayed his visa. That's an illegal alien. Why wasn't he deported? For years. Years after 9-11. And that's another golden calf. We had a lost decade of conservatism, two decades really, focusing on what it means to be a conservative is fighting the Iraq and Afghanistan war, which aren't wars. They're social operations, social work operations, refereeing Islamic civil wars, dying on the sword of Islam, while ignoring, that's the golden calf, 9-11 was all about immigration. Bipartisan 9-11 commission said we should deal with the visa overstays. 1996, yes, I keep coming back to IRA-IRA, unanimously passed the Senate, signed into law by Bill Clinton, creating visa tracking. We never did it. Never did it. That's what it's all about. Bogus asylum, the border, interior enforcement, the magnets, the incentives, the welfare for them, the immigration without assimilation is an invasion. The visa overstays. I mean, that was the lesson of 9-11. I st- I'm going to do this next week. I still haven't tabulated, but I'm sitting on the data from um, the Immigration Reform Law Institute. My buddies there sent me their sp- the spreadsheet they got. I just have to tabulate all of the countries with a terrorist presence. How many thousands of nationals from those countries remain in our country even after final deportation orders? I mean, there's so, the, the press releases write themselves. There's tons of amazing talking points that speak to 80% of the public on these issues. 
sanctuary issues. We haven't introduced a single piece of legislation. Introduce impeachment against some of these judges. I can have idea after idea that has plenty of exciting talking points. This show is not boring. These are not nerdy issues. They speak to the core of who we are as a people, as a nation, as a culture, as an economy, and as a sovereign territory. Yet we're so distracted with golden calves to the point that we actually become a defeat mechanism against our own goals by making heroes out of policies and people who are problematic that we need to defeat. I'm sorry, I, I got to give it to you straight. And I just want to get back to one of the other golden calves we, we referenced a couple minutes ago, that for 15 years or so, what it meant to be a conservative was obsessing about these social work operations overseas. And again, this is another area where we're losing ground. We're not gaining ground. And it's a crying shame because this is one area where it's really realistic to make progress with. There's really bipartisan support for ending this nonsense. You know, it's not like the dependency on domestic policy where, yeah, you know, you're going to run up against all sorts of political issues with with ending these programs, but ending the social work for Kabul and Somalia and all these, I mean, come on. Nobody wants that anymore. And Trump, this is abundantly clear from all the books that have been written, the articles out there. It's obvious Trump clearly gets it on this issue, but very few people in the administration support him on that. So he kind of just, he's continuing it. He's continuing in Syria. He's continuing in Afghanistan. Just this week, another two Soldiers died in Afghanistan. For what? I mean, it just, it puggles the mind that 17 years into a war, when you now have children of those who initially fought in there, signing up in the, you know, getting into the military and, and getting sent to Afghanistan to, to do God knows what and getting killed for it. When we still won't treat our own border with the cartels like we spoke about with Jason Jones on Wednesday's show. The fact that we have foreign nationals who are invading us, all orchestrated by the most evil, demonic groups in the form of these cartels, operating within our own territory, and we won't send out the military other than a couple of National Guard units to help Border Patrol do social work. I guess to be fair, if we do social work overseas, we got to do it at our border too. Why can't we use the military at our border? I mean, again, this is something that you don't need Congress for. Just like you evidently don't need Congress to deploy troops anywhere in the world, you certainly don't need them to defend your own border. That the president could always do unilaterally as commander-in-chief. We need to reorient what it means to be a conservative on national security and sovereignty. Forget about social and fiscal issues. I mean, that we've lost a long time ago. No vision on health care. And look, I'd love to get back to that at some point. I know we spent a lot of 2017 on the health care issue. At some point, I want to get back to that. It's just, unfortunately, there haven't been any good opportunities and good leverage points. So I mean, I've been focusing on just the live fire fight with the border. But I mean... We need a visionary on all these issues. Instead, we just have talking points. We just randomly go from talking point to talking point in this click-servative phony media, phony click-servative movement. 
And it, and the movement is so pathetic that they don't even know how to use Donald Trump properly. So even where he agrees with us, like with Afghanistan and Syria, we're not there, you know, saying, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why are we not backing the president? Why is the president backing down? Well, no one's standing with him. So that's another thing here. We're not making progress on any of that. We thought we would ease out of that stuff. And again, it's a big fiscal cost too. It's a big part of why we keep spending more on non-defense programs is because defense is held hostage. But the only reason why we need more spending on defense is because a lot of it's being depleted by this nonsensical stuff going on overseas. And again, there's a time and a place for projecting power. But we're not projecting power, projecting weakness and social work. And of course, we won't do it at our border. This is the mindset that we go overseas, referee all the stuff, bring in record numbers of Islamic immigrants, and then don't even protect our own border. That is the vision that should have been given by conservatives since 9-11. But we had the golden calf of the Iraq war back then. We have the golden calf of the courts in the wrong ways. <sighs> Again, if you have a vision of what you want, you will orient your talking points towards that vision. If talking points is your vision, then you'll just randomly select whatever policies come up or you'll get them from the Democrats, really, and just respond to them because you have no mind of your own. Just in the closing minutes here, I just want to point out Got here, Washington Post story. Nick Myra for the Washington Post has actually been doing some good reporting there. We were the first to tell you that we are sending the Border Patrol to open up gates in the places where we have walls and bring them from behind the border wall. So right now, as we speak, the hottest spot is right around El Paso. For a while, it was New Mexico. Now it's really more... um, It's really more... What do you call it? Um, right where you have the border wall. Remember, the El Paso sector, you have a lot of areas without a border wall. El Paso itself, you do have the border wall. That's what we're talking about. And guess what? We're bringing them in. So um, they actually have a picture here. I'm just looking. I printed out the article, trying to see uh, see where it is here. But they they show you, and it's tough because I already used up my subscription, well, my three free articles. So every time I click on the link, it goes away. So I can't really link to it in the show notes. But um, where's the? I don't even have the title here. But they have a good map. If you just if if you have access to it, you look uh, just to Google Nick Myroff of the Washington Post. It should be his latest article or a second to latest article. And they actually show you a aerial photo or a diagram of the Rio Grande River. And they show you what I'm talking about, this no man's land between the Rio Grande River and the border wall. That's pretty substantial in some areas. That's all U.S. soil. So under our insane suicidal policies that don't need to be those policies, the president could unilaterally prevent anyone from coming here. 
that is regarded as, you know, asylum territory. So if you believe that we have to bring anyone in, building a wall there ain't going to help. They cross the border illegally, but they have the legal right to seek asylum because they reached U.S. soil. So the whole thing is just a joke. Heck, now that we're on the topic of golden calves, I mean, you know, you can make something that is even important and meaningful, you could turn into a golden calf because there's a time and a place for everything. That, that, that's the profundity of the opening lines of chapter three of Ecclesiastes with a time, time for everything. It sounds obvious, but it's no, it means that even things that are, you would think are certainly a good thing. Well, there's a time and a place for everything. For many years, there was a need to build more border infrastructure. We're at the point that it no longer matters based on what we're dealing with today. But yet we made that a golden calf to distract from what we really need to do. So even even something that in a vacuum could be a good thing, if applied in the wrong way at the wrong time, could be a defeat mechanism. Well, defeat mechanism is essentially what the conservative movement is there for, and that's really what we need to change. That's the story. So um, a lot coming out. We have two articles that I'm going to try to link to in show notes, two very important articles from today. One deals with the border. One deals deals with the interior border uh, uh, visa overstays. The two Americans that that were killed this week from, from illegal aliens. And of course, not a single piece of legislation dealing with a single one of these policies will be introduced. We're just left with nothing. Left with absolutely nothing. (sighs) A lot more to talk about. I hope this show is informative. Again, you guys are awesome. Those of you who give me ideas, I can't do this alone, and I've learned a lot from you as well. So feel free to always email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at rmconservative. I can't promise I see every tweet. I mean, that's a little bit tough, but you know, I do check it from time to time. And uh, look, you know, the salvation of God is the blink of an eye. You never know. By the time we get back on the air on Monday, something could totally change and put us in a good position. But until now, the best we can do is just speak the truth. And that's what we're here for. That's why I know you t- tune into this show. It's not with the exclusion of others. There's there's all different talents, all different things. There's a lot of other things that I don't even have time to get to. It's not that only, the only thing that's important is what I focus on. There's a lot of other important things. But again, we do have to have a purpose. We need talking points and a message in promotion of policies, not policies to promote talking points. God bless you all. Thank, for, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 